Today's a little bit um, different in that we have a special, special guest with us today, somebody who's a friend of mine, a coach of mine, a mentor of mine. Uh, he, he's been, uh, we've, we've been connected for a little over 15 years, and we met through a connection at Gateway Church down in South Lake, Texas. Some of you may have heard of that church. And so uh, many years ago, I was a worship pastor at a church in Alabama. We were there on staff for about 15 years. And uh, at one point, about 15 years ago, I went to a worship conference at Gateway Church. And I thought, uh, I just want to learn. I want to grow. I want to get better. And, and uh, so that's how I got connected with our good friend, Pastor Ed Funderburk. And um, as, as I was on staff at our church in Alabama, he would come and coach and consult and spend some weekends with us and, and just help us get better as a team. And in 2017, 2017, it was a, a year where everything was good on paper. Everything was great on paper, but we were miserable on the inside. You may have heard me tell that story before where, man, we just had everything going for us. If you were looking from the outside, you'd think, man... What, what, a, what a dream job, but there was something missing on the inside. We knew that God had more for us, and I was dropping Pastor Ed off at his hotel, and uh, he could sense the discontentment, in, uh, I think, spiritually in my life, and he said, uh, Ben, how old are you? And I said, I'm 35 years old, and he said, well, that's the ripe age of a church planter, and so... Um, City Hope Church, we, we can all blame Pastor Ed for us starting this church at the time we did. It's his fault that we started this church. I think, he, I think that's pretty good. I'm, I'm willing to give him the blame for it. And he said, have you ever thought about that before? And I said, well, actually, we've been dreaming of starting a church for a while. And, and so he just, he was the one to kind of push me over the edge. And you know, every once in a while as your pastor, I will tell you, I'm just, I did it last week, actually. I said, I'm just here to kind of push you over the edge, because I think every once in a while we need a nudge, don't we? So uh, today, Pastor Ed's going to nudge us a little bit. I hope and I pray that he pushes us over the edge a little bit to just draw closer to Jesus. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand up on your feet and let's honor Pastor Ed Funderburk and welcome him to City Hope Church. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Good morning. You can be seated. What a joy to be at City Hope. It's amazing. I've been trying to come see you for quite some time, but there was this thing going on called a pandemic, and it kind of prevented us. We had to postpone twice uh, the trip that was planned, and I'm just so grateful that God's timing is always right, and I'm here having had a tremendous weekend. Friday, I arrived, and almost immediately began meeting with uh, different leaders. We had a great uh, dinner and an extended time of, of getting acquainted with some of the key leaders here on Friday night. And then yesterday, believe it or not, I literally talked for four straight hours. <laughs> I taught from nine to one with a group of, of, of leaders here at the church. And then I've had the privilege to go to dinner with uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Annalise last night. And can I just tell you, I love this couple so much. I'm so proud of them, so excited for what God's doing here. And I pray that you don't assume this is normal. I told a group of leaders yesterday in, a, in the kindest of way, you are not normal. You are abnormal in a good way. God is doing something very, very special in Wichita Falls through City Hope Church, and you get to be a part of it. So I'm so happy for you. And I pray if, if you're online watching us today, if you're here and you're a guest, I want to say something. I recommend this church for your family. 
I recommend this church for you. I believe in these leaders and I know that they are working hard and they're prayerful and they are putting together ministries that will help all of you grow and become the people that God wants you to be. And so if you have not found a church home, if you've had a bad experience with the church at large, I want to tell you, risk it again and consider being a part of this amazing church family. Can we say thank you right now for Pastor Ben and Annalise? I honor them as my friends. Love them. Thank you so much, Pastor Ben, for your obedience. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for receiving uh, the input, the nudge that I gave you. And I think the, uh, the, the city of, of Wichita Falls benefits from a life-giving, spirit-filled, uh, generous church uh, that now exists as a result of your stepping out in faith and coming this way. Well, gosh, it is so good to be here. I'm so excited to be able to share this message with you today. Let's do this. If you have your Bible, which is a good thing when you come to church, whether it be on a tablet or old-fashioned paper version of a Bible, if you have a Bible, whether online or here in the building, open it, if you would, to Isaiah 61, and that is going to be the primary text, and I'll get there in just a few minutes Um, You might also put a marker at Jeremiah chapter 29, and that's where I plan to end, uh, uh, but when I pray for you at the conclusion of this message. I uh, uh, celebrated my 60th birthday last month, and uh, I've been in vocational ministry for right at 38 years, and in all of those years in vocational ministry as a pastor on the staff of a few different churches around the country, here's what I've discovered. Uh, And by the way, I just have to tell you, it it troubles me. It's a concern. But one of the things I've discovered is that some of the saddest, some of the most depressed, some of the most unfulfilled people I've ever met are Christians. I think we can agree that should not be true. These are folks who regularly attend church. Many of them read their Bibles. They pray. Some of them give offerings in the church. In other words, they know the disciplines of the faith. They know what they should be doing. But if you examine their lives closely, you might discover that many are miserable. And because of their misery, they're not living that joy-filled life, the abundant life that the, uh, the Scriptures promise us, John 10.10. 10. And as a result of that misery, uh, these people do not have the positive influence that they would desire on their non-Christian friends, their neighbors, their co-workers, and their family members. Now, aren't you excited that Mr. Encouragement came from Dallas to give you that news today? All right, so if you'll stay with me, here's what I want to ask of you. In the next 35 minutes or so, would you be kind enough to your guest speaker to give me your undivided attention? Again, those that are assembled here, a good crowd in the auditorium, but also those that have determined to tune in online. You may have just sat up in your bed and turned on uh, uh, Facebook or however you might be streaming the service today. But if you're tuned in, please stay with me. Give me your undivided attention for about 35 minutes. Here's what I would tell you. Uh, The message that I'm going to present to you today uh, could be for the person immediately in front of you could be the person right behind you, someone to your right or to your left. It may be someone that rode in the car with you on the way to the service today. I could be speaking to someone who slept beside you last night. But whatever, it could be that the message I'm about to present is a message for the person who is seated in your chair. In other words, God might have something to say to each of us today. 
It could be you that needs to apply some of what I'm going to talk about. So let's all uh, do our very best to tune in and not be a distraction to anyone around us. I want to address a question. Here's the question. Why is this true? Why are there so many defeated, discouraged, unfulfilled Christians attending churches today? Now, if you'll allow me to, I'm going to take part of the blame. I believe the answer, it could be a, a, a variety of reasons, but I believe there is one primary reason, and it is that the church at large, and I've been a leader in church for a long time, so I'm just going to own my part of this, but the church at large has only emphasized one of the ministries of Jesus. And it's really important. We'll see it when we get to the Isaiah 61 text. But there's more that Jesus wants to do. He came to help us in a variety of ways, but we've only truly emphasized one of those. So we want to reference that, but we want to add some things to it that Jesus wants to do for us. So in just a moment, Isaiah 61, but right before we get there, I want to give you a homework assignment. I see, uh, I don't know, is this a group of students, all of them wearing a similar shirt today? Maybe your leadership academy or whatever it might be, but whatever group you are, welcome. And I would say, here's some homework from Professor Ed. And, And here's the assignment. I want you to read John 17 this week. John chapter 17 is uh, referred to by theologians as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And uh, I'm about to get there in my daily Bible reading. Like Pastor Ben, I do the one-year Bible, and and in the Gospels, I'm looking at uh, chapter 13 of John. And this morning, early in the morning, I read uh, John 13, and it's where Jesus is bringing the disciples together for what will be in chapters 14, 15, and 16, the Last Supper. He's going to have this final meal with them before he goes toward the cross. And in chapter 13, his last interaction with the disciples, he takes off his robe, he puts a towel around his waist, He gathers a bowl, puts water in it, and he washes their feet. He served them. And then he encouraged them, go and serve others. Can I just tell you, Jesus modeled things all the way to the end of his life. And then, so after the the, the dinner with them, uh, we see that he prayed this amazing prayer. I'm going to reference one verse. And then he went into the garden where he grieved so deeply and he prayed so intensely that uh, Luke's account in chapter 22 of Luke, it records that he grieved so deeply that he actually sweat drops of blood. If you recall, all while the other disciples were fast asleep, they could not stay with him through that, that evening. And so right before Jesus gave his life, he prayed this beautiful prayer that is your homework assignment, John 17. Verse 4 is the beginning of that prayer. And here's what Jesus prayed. Father, I have brought you glory here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Father, I have brought you glory here on earth. Let me ask you, how many of you, like Jesus, want to bring glory to the Father? Would anybody like his or her life to reflect glory to the Father? If that is true, whether again, you're online hearing this or you're watching here live in the service, uh, Jesus shows us how he accomplished that. He actually carried out the assignment that God had for him. 
And I believe in a similar way, just like Jesus, everyone here has an assignment on his or her life. Every one of us have a job description uh, given to us by God. We have abilities and gifts that God has deposited into our lives. And as we use those to serve others, we accomplish our destiny. We fulfill our purpose. And in doing so, listen, we bring glory to God. And I would suggest that it is impossible for any of us to do so unless we understand and apply all of the ministries of Jesus to our lives. And that leads us to the primary text, Isaiah 61. I'm only going to reference verses 1 and 2, but Isaiah, a prophetic declaration years before Jesus would come, he declares under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the following, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and I want to just tell you, I recommend it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can, can we just position ourselves where we could get under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And then he declares, uh, God has chosen me. Speaking of Jesus, he's declaring this about the coming Messiah. He has chosen me, anointed me, appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to minister recovery of sight to the blind, to preach freedom to the captives, to set at liberty those who are bruised, and then finally, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the time that I have with you this morning, what I'm going to do is just one by one, go one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way through this job description of Jesus. I'm going to describe what I believe these uh, might uh, look like, and I'm going to ask you to consider, have I applied that ministry of Jesus to my life? And then I'm going to pray for you and turn the service to Pastor Ben. It's always kind of good to know what to expect. How many of you are excited that I'm not going to talk to you for four hours today? (laughs) All right, so here's item number one on this amazing job description. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. Uh, Preaching the gospel leads to salvation. I believe this is the one ministry of Jesus that the church does fairly well. Preaching the gospel, declaring that Jesus is the only way for us to have access to God. So in my opinion, salvation is the greatest miracle any of us can ever experience. You see, a person could be physically healed and then die and still spend eternity separated from God because the Bible's very clear. If you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. You must experience this first ministry of Jesus, which is salvation. I would say that salvation is not only wonderful, it is necessary, it is essential, it's extremely important. But please don't miss this. Salvation alone will not solve all the problems you're going to face this side of heaven. And so one of the things Jesus wants to do as we walk through the other ministries is he wants to help us this side of heaven. He wants to help us while we're still here on earth. So as we look to the remainder of the list, in addition to salvation, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. This is a reference to inner healing or what some might refer to as emotional healing. Has anyone here other than me, I mean, I am right there today, has anyone here ever had a broken heart? 
If you have a broken heart today, whether again, you're with the online campus and watching us via a a computer or a television screen, if you're here in person, if you have a broken heart, I want to encourage you. Uh, It could be that some of you came to the building today with a broken heart looking for God's help. And here's the promise from scripture. Uh, Psalm 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who were crushed in spirit. He ministers to, he cares for, and extends healing to those who have broken hearts. I believe the greatest need in the church today is for God to heal the broken hearts of those who already have relationship with him. And if that describes you today, please know that help is available. And as I close the service, I'm going to include those with broken hearts so that you might receive the healing uh, to your uh, emotions, to your pain in your heart that you need today. Here's item number three. Jesus came to minister recovery of sight to the blind. This is a clear reference to physical healing. I have to acknowledge that after many, many years of following the Lord, I'm puzzled by the bad theology that is uh, very common in many, many churches across the nation and around the world. And it would uh, suggest that uh, once the church had been fully established after the first uh, 100 years uh, of its existence, that the power gifts, the, the Holy Spirit gifts, such as physical healing, Uh, were no longer necessary, and they, quote, ceased to exist. I just want to tell you, you won't find anything in Scripture that truly supports that view. And historically, it's not been true. Here's good news. If you have a physical need in your body today, no matter what medical report you might have received, no matter how long you've carried pain in your body, God still heals. He can touch us physically Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3 tells us, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it lists a few of the benefits. He, what? Forgives all our sin. There's the first ministry of Jesus, salvation. And then it adds, he heals all our diseases, physical healing. So, If you're in need of physical healing today, you can be confident that God has purchased your healing through Jesus' death on the cross, and it is my joy as we conclude the service today to pray for your physical healing. God is not nervous. He's not in heaven this morning worried that I'm over-promising. I promise you, God is not sweating profusely, wiping his brow, thinking, move on to the next one. No, God has this. And salvation, inner healing, physical healing are all available to us today. There's another item on this great job job description. It is item number four. Jesus came to preach freedom to the captive. Freedom from bondage. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from uh, unhealthy life patterns that hinder us from experiencing all that Jesus has died to make available to us. See, many people today struggle with um, uh, various uh, issues in their life. They're common in our culture, what I call taboo sins of our culture. Uh, Things like drug addiction, things like alcoholism. And, And over the last number of years, there's something that's risen to those same levels, and it is pornography. And if you're curious, these are common both inside and 
outside the church. They're coming with men and women, younger and older. It's really no respecter of persons. We can all fall into bondage and addiction and, and be trapped without the Lord's help. But if you are in that place today, I want to encourage you that hope is available. Help is available. Ultimately, freedom can be yours. And it'll be my joy to pray for you as I pray for these other ministries of Jesus to be extended to us. You might say, Ed, thank you. I'm not struggling with anything you just listed. Let me ask this. Could it be that you're here and you struggle with insecurity? You, you really struggle to find your identity in your relationship with God. You're trying to perform to earn His favor as a husband or a father, as a wife, a mother, a son or a daughter, uh, as an employer or an employee. Whatever role you might find yourself in, you're trying to check all the boxes and do all the right things so that you earn the love of those around you as well as the love of God. Listen, God's love is completely unconditional. We cannot perform well enough to earn it, but God, just because of his kindness, he extends his love to us unconditionally. Many of us need to be set free of trying to perform to earn God's love. We need to be set free of insecurity. If you're trapped in any way, freedom is available. As I think back on my experience with the Lord, it dates back to 1982. The Lord was with me long before that, but in 1982, as a confused 21-year-old college student who continued to stack bad decision on top of bad decision. I was that sheep that kept landing in the ditch every time, and God wonderfully saved me. I remember it like it was yesterday, and it's been right at 39 years since I gave my life to Christ and began to follow Him. But while I'm grateful for my salvation, there have been a couple of more experiences that are equally as important to me. About eight years, maybe nine years later, I guess it was in 1990, I'm a newlywed, been married a couple of years, uh, I'm on staff at a church uh, in Houston, and I went to a conference, and I was so hungry to know God more. I was crying out, God, whatever you have for me, I want to receive. I want to know you fully. And at this conference, during an altar call, I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Oh, it was wonderful. I'm so thankful for uh, the byproduct of that in my life was a prayer language, which I use to this day. When I simply don't know how to pray any longer in English, I am so thankful for my prayer language. And, and uh, I would just say, uh, I'm grateful for my salvation. I'm grateful for this baptism with the Holy Spirit. There is another encounter that I had in, in uh, the year 2004. I was 43 years old. I had already become a pastor and a leader at one of the fastest growing churches in the nation over at Gateway in the South Lake area. God was blessing us then, much like he's blessing you now. And I was a part of the early days of that great move of God. But behind the scenes, there was something going on that I really struggled with. And it was not new. It's something that had plagued my life in spite of my salvation, in spite of my uh, baptism with the Holy Spirit, in, in spite of my memorizing scripture and doing all I knew to do, I struggled with maniacal, raging anger. And it was really the ugly stuff. I mean, it was the hide the women and the children kind of anger. Like, should be this response, get this response. And I remember a particular encounter that I had uh, with my boss, 
where we disagreed on something. Now, did you just hear what I said? I said, I was in disagreement with my boss. That's not a good thing, but it's going to get worse. He and I disagreed. I was offended by something he said. I felt like he was unnecessarily picking on me. And by the way, I'm not trying to justify my actions, but in a fit of rage, I reached across his desk in an oversight meeting, and I pulled my boss toward me, spilled his coffee all over his desk, pens and pencils went flying, and I drew back my left fist to punch my boss in the nose. Can we just agree that will not get you a promotion? That is not the way to earn the favor of your leadership. And rather than do what he should have done, or maybe I should say it this way, what he could have done, rather than dismiss me or, or give me my papers to exit the team, he came around the desk, he apologized for what he said that hurt my feelings, that caused me to react, he embraced me, prayed for me, and then he put a plan together, and I was required to go see a counselor. Gateway Church actually paid for me to go see a spirit-filled counselor. I've referred to her for years as the Holy Spirit in a dress. She was so full of God's wisdom, and she helped me connect the dots all the way back to my childhood. I grew up in a children's home. Between the ages of, of five and nine, I experienced horrible sexual abuse. I had never talked to anyone about it. And at that time, the only way I could push away the violator was to just go into maniacal rage. And it protected me at that time, but it wasn't so cute at 14, at 24, at 34. And it wasn't good for my wife, my children to see me occasionally just lose my mind. But here's what happened. I believed a lie. I thanked God for my salvation. I thanked Him for uh, my baptism with the Holy Spirit. I thanked Him for all that He had done for me. But I believed a lie that I would always live with a particular sin. And you know what? The Bible says the opposite. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. I needed a touch from God. This is a second reference to inner healing. And I'm so grateful that, that the Holy Spirit worked in me his freedom. And, and I today can tell you that as a result of that wonderful counselor and my engaging God and receiving the truth and dispelling the, the lie that I had believed, I live a clean, holy life before the Lord. I don't fight anger like I once did. And I can tell you, it's good for my marriage. It's good for my relationship with my family. If you've struggled with a, an issue that has plagued you for years and years, it could be that you too have believed a lie. And I want to tell you today that God wants to set you free. I believe that when we're born again, uh, we are pre-wired with the Holy Spirit. Much like this beautiful auditorium uh, is, is wired for lighting, someone has to flip a switch for the lights to come on. And today, the Holy Spirit who lives in you can be activated. You can simply say, God, would you activate your Holy Spirit and set me free of these patterns of sin? Well, let's look at another item on this great job description. Jesus came to set at liberty those who are bruised. God wants to get our attention around this idea of emotional healing. 
Uh, There's a verse tucked away in Proverbs 20, verse 30. In the King James, it says, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, and so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Oh my, aren't you glad you came to hear that verse today? That is an unusual verse. But in a more modern paraphrase, in today's English version, it says this. I can understand this and apply it. It says, sometimes it takes a painful or difficult experience to make us change our ways. An example of that, how many times do you need to touch a hot stove to know, I don't ever want to do that again? It would hurt pretty badly. If you're a quick study, you might only have to have that experience one time. Well, uh, here's what I know. Uh, God wants to do emotional healing in our lives today. I'm thinking back to uh, a story when we first moved from the Northwest Houston area up to Dallas-Fort Worth to join the Gateway team. That was in the spring of 2003. So it's been a little over 18 years ago. My younger son, Levi, who was five at the time, uh, was in uh, a bedroom far away from mom and dad, upstairs in the other end of the house. And one night, just a few weeks after we had moved into the house, I remember being awakened about 2 a.m. I was sound asleep, as all good men should be at that hour. And I was startled awake by this shrill cry from uh, my little boy. And, and as I sat up in my bed, I heard him crying, and it scared me. And so I'm on my feet to go help my son running through the house, pitch black of night, brand new home, unfamiliar with where all the furniture was. And as I ran toward the stairs to go check on little Levi, I caught my thigh on a piano bench that had been just turned out just enough. Thank you so much. You're about as compassionate as the earlier crowd. Yeah. So as I'm hobbling upstairs to check on Levi, uh, I, by the way, if you're curious, I've been a pastor many, many years. I did not say praise the Lord when that took place. <laughs> I didn't quote any of my favorite scriptures. I, uh, I, I'm not sure what I said, but it probably wasn't the kind of thing that I would want to uh, say in church. But I hobbled toward my son. When I got to Levi, he had fallen out of his bed, but it was the bottom bunk. He had already gotten back in on his own, had snuggled his pillow. He would soon be fast asleep, but dear old dad was injured. I had a significant bruise on my leg. I'm giving you a second opportunity to feel compassion for me. Thank you so much. That was so genuine. Well, (laughs) I went uh, early the next morning to a men's gathering. I did a little men's small group. It was probably, I think, a Wednesday or a Thursday morning, midweek. And I met with that group of men, and I told them what had taken place. Not one of them had any sympathy toward me, but all of them. I think everyone in the group had advice for me. So can I give you some advice this morning? If someone is not requesting your advice, keep your advice to yourself. Now, that's good advice right there. That's what that is. Well, they they had good advice. They had things like slow down, don't run in the dark, life's not an emergency. There was one person who gave me advice that I lived by moving forward, and he was the oldest man in the group. He said, Ed, next time that happens, why don't you stay in bed and let your wife take care of those boys? Now, that's good advice, right? Here's that's a funny story. And by the way, it's funny because you weren't injured. Let's just be honest, right? So, but that's a funny story. But not all painful experiences in our lives make us laugh. 
There are people who are in the building today, people watching online who are experiencing intense emotional pain. There are others that are uh, living with ongoing and chronic physical pain in their bodies. There are many here, many watching who have been abandoned or abused, neglected or rejected by those closest to them. If any of these are your experience, it is likely that you too have bruises. Now, what an odd word, a bruise. A bruise is an outward sign, an indicator that something on the inside is wounded. It may be that you've been betrayed by an unfaithful spouse. You could have had your heart broken by a wayward child. It may be that you've been fired unjustly by a boss. It could be that you were humiliated or embarrassed by a coach when you failed to execute a play and it cost your team an important game. But even worse, you may have church pain. Church pain looks like this. You put your trust and your confidence in a spiritual leader only to discover later that they were inconsistent in what they said and what they did. They did not live a a, a life that reflected what they were teaching you to do. And that caused you to maybe have an eyebrow that you raise towards spiritual leaders. And God wants to heal you of that pain so that you can fully engage and trust leaders. Again, no other leader needs to pay for the wrongdoing of of, of a leader from previous times in your life. If any of these are true in your life, you have bruises. And we need to see that Jesus came to set at liberty those who were bruised. So thus far, as we're walking through the six items, we've covered five, and we've seen that he came to save us, to heal us, to set us free. And I want you to make sure you don't miss the last thing, and it's this. Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I just want to ask, how many uh, here at City Hope this morning, how many online Uh, would not mind if God extended his favor your way today. You're a candidate. You could say, I could really benefit from God extending his favor to my life. It may be that you would say, you know, Ed, I would be okay if God just determined to pour out some encouragement and hope on my life today. I've been through a really difficult season. You may find yourself there today. I'm convinced that one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to steal or rob us of the hope that God wants to extend to us. And as a pastor, I don't really know of anything more painful to see on another person than what I just term hopelessness. Because of a series of painful events in life, they have just gotten to a place where they no longer are able to hope. Um, There's a verse in another chapter that is now becoming your homework assignment number two. There's a great chapter, uh, Acts chapter 27, uh, toward the very end of the book of Acts. This is a story of uh, a shipwreck. As a matter of fact, it's odd. If you read the Bible, you'll find that Paul, who wrote almost half the New Testament, 13 of the 27 New Testament books are credited to Paul, but three different times he was involved in a shipwreck. I just think maybe he should have taken a train find a horse, find another mode of transportation. I would stop getting on ships if they kept wrecking. 
Well, he had warned the captain of this ship that if you head out, there's going to be trouble. But they went ahead and tried to get ahead of the storm, but they entered right into a storm that lasted for several days. I'll let you read Acts 27, but I want to highlight one verse if I can. In Acts 27, verse 20, while a ship is being battered with wind and waves, Paul writes this. He says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Let me just pause and suggest there are people in the room today, there are people with the online campus that are able to say that phrase describes my life. I've been in a season, an extended period of time where there has been no sun or stars. And it uh, continues, it says, and the storm continued raging. It's bad enough that you've been in a lengthy, difficult season But there's really no hope because everything you see in front of you, it's like a raging storm. And here's how he concludes this verse. He says, finally, after dealing with that for the length of time, finally, we gave up all hope. Listen, a hopeless people is is the opposite of what God wants us to be. And so if you find yourself in a difficult place, I want you to consider the verse that I'd ask you to mark Jeremiah chapter 29, it's going to contrast. It's the the opposite side of the coin of the verse I just read. It's a positive, encouraging verse for us today. Jeremiah 29, looking at verse 11, God says this over your life today. I know the plans I have for you. Uh, Isn't that an amazing thought? That God in heaven has a plan for each of us. Uh, Plans to prosper you, not plans to to harm you. And ultimately, he says, plans to give you what? Hope and a future. Now, as we uh, come to the end of the message, as I close, I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray for myself today. I'm in need of prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those watching online, those in the service. For those that are in the service, I want to ask you to join me and just stand. And I'm going to take just a few minutes and pray over each of these. And then I'll turn the service back to Pastor Ben. If you're online, I just ask you wherever you are, stop. Don't be distracted. But just tune in for just a moment and engage in this prayer. Here's the question I want you to consider as I prepare to pray. Which ministry of Jesus do I need to apply to my life today? Which ministry of Jesus do I need to apply? It may be more than one, but here's how I want you to respond. I'm going to pray the prayer. I want you to agree as I pray. I want you to engage your heart. And if there is something that came to mind as I was walking through Jesus' job description, you just say, Lord, I want that for my life. I received that ministry of Jesus today in my life. All right, I'm going to pray. You pray with me. No one looking around. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to pour out your help to us today. Lord, we thank you that Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and he lives with you now, interceding for us. And we cry out to you today, Lord, and ask you to extend to us your help. Lord, we pray for those who need to be born again. If you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ, you've never experienced that first and foremost gift from God, that that wonderful salvation, right now, just say, Lord, I ask you to forgive my sins and I invite you to come into my life 
and to save me. I want to follow you. I want to know you. I need your help. I believe if you pray that prayer, you become a follower of Jesus. He will forgive us whatever we've done, and He will cleanse us and bring us into right standing with God. So if you need salvation today, just cry out to the Lord. Father, we thank you for those that are being saved today. I also want to pray for those who have broken hearts. If you're here in the service, and and for whatever reason, circumstance, I have a broken heart today. And so as I pray, I'm adding myself to this list. Father, those of us today who have broken hearts, we pray for inner healing. We pray for emotional healing. We pray for your help, Lord. And we recognize that the circumstances that have led to that may not change immediately. But God, we need to have perspective. We pray that you would minister to the broken hearts of those in the room today. So if that is you today, please cry out to the Lord, look to the Lord for help and receive healing for your broken heart. It could be that you're one of those who has gotten a a medical report that has you greatly disturbed. You may deal with an ongoing physical issue that you've just determined will always be true. Listen, let's agree together that that God is able to physically heal. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would touch and you would heal those who need a touch. You would help those, Lord, who are broken uh, physically, who have illness in their body. Lord, whether it be a cold or whether it be uh, a cancer, Lord, we just understand that, that you're not overwhelmed. It's not too big for you. Lord, if it's ongoing back pain or headaches or whatever it might be, Lord, we pray right now that you would extend physical healing to everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone watching online, everyone here in this room. Extend to us physical healing. And as we continue, Lord, I want to recognize and thank you again for delivering me, for setting me free from maniacal raging anger. Lord, you're so kind to have done that in my life. And I pray for others in the room who have lived uh, addicted or lived with bondages and lived with uh, sinful patterns and and areas where they've struggled. Lord, we pray today for freedom to be released. We pray, God, that that no one here would, would believe a lie that that'll just always be true. That they would just say, I just push that aside and I receive what this guy from Dallas is saying today that I can live free of this pattern of sin. So, Father, we pray that you would pour out freedom on your people. Lord, we also ask for those that have bruises, those that have been wounded deeply, Lord. They literally walk with a limp because of the pain that they carry from a traumatic experience. God, would you touch them today and minister healing emotionally to those bruises in their life so that they can be completely and totally healed. And then finally, God, as I conclude this prayer, I pray for those who just are in need of hope. Lord, if there are people in the room who have uh, ended in a, a place, they've gotten to a place of hopelessness, we pray hope would extend from heaven. That, Lord, you would turn their hearts and they would receive, Lord, uh, your favor. They, they would receive hope. They would receive help for marriages, families, finances, careers. Lord, we trust all of this to your care. We celebrate with you all that you're doing as we respond and receive the ministries of Jesus. I pray it all in the name of our loving Lord. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate what God's doing in our lives today?
Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much. Can we honor Pastor Ed, too? Let's uh, thank Pastor Ed for his message today. Thank you so much.